Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. All right, so now we've got to move on into the Word of God today. And uh, we'll do that. We, we, we know that it's going to be a passage of Scripture that's, that's a difficult passage of Scripture because we saw this in the treehouse video. Some really tough words of Jesus. And I was thinking about this this week when uh, on Thursday morning I saw the news about that tragedy in Florida. That that beachfront building in Surfside had fallen down. It collapsed early in the morning, about 1.30 in the morning. And it was just so sad. It was so very sad and tragic, unexpected in an instant of time. And just so shocking. The, the people, they went to bed. They felt entirely secure. They did not have an inkling that suddenly their building was just going to come down to the ground. And those who were near and heard it and were there very quickly, and then those of us who may have watched, on uh, there, there was a surveillance video. It was just stunning. There, it's, there's no words. It's very painful. You can't help when you see something like that just to have a, a pit in your stomach. And let's continue to pray for the people and the families that were affected by this. It uh, affected people too all over the world because that was a, a place where some were coming for vacations. And there they were without any warning. And I, I know there's been some speculation that maybe there was structural issues, et cetera, but it didn't seem anything that was taken uh, to the point of a major concern at all. Everyone seemed to just feel safe and secure. So how hard, how difficult that is. And uh, the idea that one could feel completely, absolutely secure, and then in an instant, it just all changes. And that, it has some parallels to what Jesus speaks that we're going to cover this morning. It parallels our life application this morning. We're coming to the conclusion, the close of the great Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, throughout his teaching, he touched on so many areas of life and life that we can put into practice and apply. And he opened with blessings. First, he started with blessings, what we call uh, the Beatitudes, the opening of Matthew chapter 5. And then as he began to unfold his teaching, it just touched on so many aspects of the human condition, human life. He touched on how we deal with emotions and relationships and interacting uh, with others and also interacting with God. How do you pray? How do you give and fast? And Jesus brought 
his comments to a close as he did, he began to get really direct. He was using straight talk, and we should really, really be paying considerable attention to what Jesus had to say. And we were reminded in the video last week that we talked about Jesus' words about the false prophets. And he said there are false prophets. And he used in that language some very straight images. They're easy to interpret. He said they're like a wolf, but disguised as a sheep. So there was the contrast between the gentle sheep and the ferocious wolf. And he used the image of good fruit and bad fruit and a good tree and bad tree. And these are not difficult images. And then Jesus moved into the close, his closing statement of the Sermon on the Mount. And though we've touched on part of this already, the the ending, I want to read to you the whole thing, and it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 29. After speaking about the false prophets, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And that brings to a conclusion this great passage of Scripture from Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had amazed his audience. He taught with an authority that they really hadn't heard. It captivated them. And he said to them, now put my words into practice. And that's life application. And he used another image there at the close. He contrasted wise and foolish builders. The one that builds the house on the rock, the wise and the foolish building on the sand. The house on the rock stays put. And that's the one that's making the life application. The other one, the foolish one, that's the house in the sand. It crashes down. So it's the wise, it's the wise that direct the words of Jesus toward life application. Now, this section we covered, the wise and the foolish builder, we covered a little bit out of sequence. So if you want to pick up on that or be reminded, 
you can go online, look at the video from February 28th, and that was Pastor Mr. Rob Susan, where he encouraged our 2020 youth class, our rooted youth class, as they were confirmed, and he used that passage of Scripture to encourage them just to continue, to continue to build their life on the, the rock. Now, this morning, we just back up a little, and we focus on where Jesus made this transition from the false prophets to the statement about who is going to enter into heaven. There are some that will enter and some that will not. As I said, Jesus was being direct. This is straight talk. Take it seriously. We need to take this very seriously. It was nearly 300 years ago that John Wesley preached on Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And he said this. I want to read a quote from his sermon because it, it calls to mind the seriousness of the words of Jesus. John Wesley said, Our divine teacher, having declared in the Sermon on the Mount the whole counsel of God with regard to the way of salvation, now closes the whole with these weighty words. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus was impressing his whole authority on what he had delivered, that it might stand firm to all generations. It therefore imports us in the highest degree thoroughly to understand the force of these weighty words. For us today, a few centuries later, let's do our best to thoroughly understand these weighty words of Jesus and make proper application in our life. First, let's understand that Jesus here declared his divinity. He said plainly, he's going to be the one at the gate of heaven. He'll be the one that's allowing entrance into the kingdom of heaven or denying it. And he used personal pronouns. I and me, many will say to me. Imagine that, this is Jesus standing before this crowd teaching them, many will say to me. I will say to them, I never knew you away from me. These are personal pronouns. This is a declaration of Jesus' divinity. And he's the gate. He's the entrance into the kingdom. And he's making a point, once again, two destinations. That's it. You're in or you're out. And he presented a very stark image. It's something that, should, that we should really, really, again, just take so seriously. And this is a contrast not unlike some of the things he's already mentioned. Now, he's saying you're in or you're out. What an image to, to picture in our mind. But he had, early on in the Sermon on the Mount, he had used heaven and hell. He talked about that. He used the image of dark 
and light. He used the image of the small gate and the wide gate. He used the image of the narrow road and the broad road. Two ways Jesus had made this point. Multiple times, two ways that lead to two destinations. And we are all on a course. We're all of us on a course to one of those destinations. We are on one road or the other. Now Jesus concludes his sermon by contrasting those who enter and those who do not. Those going into heaven, those who aren't. Now his words, if we receive them with some humility, with some sincerity of heart, they should really shake us. They should rock us to our core if we take these words of Jesus to heart. Not everyone, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Consider this question. Will you enter the kingdom of heaven? Can you answer that definitively? Could it be me that Jesus is going to say, don't enter? No entrance. You're not coming in. He said, many, many will say, Lord, Lord. They're not coming in. No, you're not coming in. They're going to protest. There will be a, a, a call to cause. Hey, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? And that connects to the previous verses about the false prophets. A prophecy in the name of Jesus. That's not what opens the gates of heaven. Oh, the protest will continue. Lord, Lord, I drove out demons in your name. Lord, didn't I do miracles in your name? And yet, the doorway to heaven still remains locked shut. Remember, the words of Jesus, a tree's known by its fruit. And the fruit is not signs and wonders. The fruit's not miracles. It's not prophecy in the name of Jesus and exorcisms. No, Jesus had made the point already. Watch out for the, the sheep in the wolves' clothing. And he reiterates, there are many, many who are going to claim to be my followers, many who say, look, what I did in your name. And they're fake followers. And Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. How do we make application with that? Well, first, what is it that marks those who do not enter the kingdom of heaven? Let's talk about that. What's the mark of a fake follower? The one to whom Jesus is going to say, no entrance. Go away. For the fake followers, there is no entrance. And what marks them? They're saying, look at me. Look at me. This is what they're saying to Jesus. Jesus 
is contrasting two forms of followers, two forms of Christian. There's the true follower of Christ, and there's this phony follower. And the fake follower is all about, in Jesus' name, prophecy in Jesus' name, casting out demons and miracles in Jesus' name. And to everyone around, all those who are around about that one, they look and they sound authentic. They sound sold out. They seem to be an authentic follower of Christ. Yet, how did Jesus portray this person? At the gate of heaven? They're talking about themselves. They're sort of presenting a spiritual resume. They're touting their curriculum vitae to Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine that. Lord, let me lay it out for you. Lord, I did all kinds of things. I'll remind you, Lord. Lord, remember legion? I called out a legion in your name. Oh, and I did some prophecy. Lord, I spoke the word. And I said in Jesus' name. You remember that, don't you? Let me remind you about some of the great signs and wonders I did in your name. Now, if anyone thinks that they're going to go before Jesus Christ and present a list of spiritual accomplishments, Jesus is saying here, you are mistaken. You cannot sell yourself into heaven. Recall what Jesus said about those who live that look-at-me attitude, look-at-what-I-do-for-you-Lord attitude. Back in Matthew chapter 6, it's the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. And what did Jesus say about those who have that, oh, look at me attitude? They have received their reward in full. They will have no reward from their Father in heaven. Matthew 6, 2, Matthew 6, 5, Matthew 6, 16, they repeat it. They have received their reward in full. That's what the, hey, look at me and look what I do for the Lord attitude brings. And what was the context there? It was, hey, see how I pray? See how I give? Hey, watch how I fast before the Lord. And Jesus will say to those something stunning, something that will stop them right there in their tracks. I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Oh, oh, but Lord, look at what I did for you. Is that where your security is? Is that where any of our security is? Lord, look at all that I've done for you. Jesus said many, many are going to go through the wide gate and take the broad road that leads to destruction. And to many who claim this resume, this list of accomplishments, accomplishments he's going to say I never knew you and yet for that many they believe they're secure they believe they will enter the kingdom of heaven is this look at me look at what I do for Jesus is is that your security because a time is coming when that security, it's going to prove to be utterly and totally 
insufficient. Jesus is going to say, away from me. And that security, it, it's, in an instant, it's going to become false security. And it's going to fall in a flash. Not unlike the, the building that seemed completely safe and steady. No one suspected anything. And then, bam, it comes down. And it hurts to watch. It's painful. Puts that pit in your stomach. Is, is there a pit in our stomach when we think about this? When it comes to our spiritual destination? But many, but many, that's the word Jesus used. Many, many. They're going to experience such a similar and complete fall. Believing they are secure. Bold enough, bold enough to stand before the Lord and say, look, Lord, I did all these things for you. And in the blink of an eye, it's gone. Don't be that Christian. Don't be the one that says, Lord, look at me. Look at all that I've done for you. No, be the Christian that says, I see what you did for me. Be, be the one that has that attitude like we heard about earlier. The attitude of Isaiah in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of Almighty God. What was his attitude? Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm undone. Do we have that attitude? I was like a sheep that's, that's gone astray. And I, I've turned to my own way. But for Jesus. But for Jesus. Lord, you took my penalty. How about we have that attitude before Jesus? Lord, you took my penalty. You took my sin and my iniquity. And you were crucified for it. And you were crushed for all of my sin and all of my iniquities. And you received the punishment that brought me peace and reconciliation with God. You gave your life. You gave your life for me. My wealth is in the cross. That ought to be our attitude before Jesus, especially on that day when we're going to see him face to face. You're the divine son of God. You're the divine son of God, and you're the gateway to heaven. You're the one who has made a way for me that I'd receive eternal life. For who is the one who enters the kingdom of heaven? It's not the one broadcasting their spiritual resume and their accomplishments before Christ. No, that's, that's not the true follower. There's no entrance to heaven. It's the true follower that enters in. And what marks that true follower? Jesus said, it's only the one that does the will of my Father in heaven. The true follower does the will of the Father. Now, Jesus had been teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he taught what we call the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. Is that our prayer? Father in heaven, your will be done? If we are ones that are doing the will of the Father, well, it raises a question. What, what is the Father's will? What, what is it? Well, 
Gee, God, is it, is it your will that I would take this job or that job? Oh, Lord, uh, is your will that I'd go to this school or, or that school? Oh, I, I should live here or there. That's the specific that you can pray about. Pray about those specifics. There's a broader will of God. There's a broader will of the Father in heaven. His will that stands in opposition to the look at me attitude. Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. Oh, but Lord, I did the miracles and I cast out the demons. We can't boast about that to Jesus. We can't boast about what you've done to Jesus. Now, if you call yourself saved, you've been saved through faith by the grace of God. Nothing you can boast about. Nothing I can brag about. Now, Father, thy will be done. But again, what is that will? What is the Father's will? Well, what is the opposite of boasting? What's the opposite of bragging? What is the opposite of look at me, Lord, and all I did for you? But humility? Jesus had already taught, don't do your righteous acts in front of people. Don't do it for the praise and the accolades of others. Don't have that look at me attitude. Do your righteous acts quietly, humbly, even in secret. And your Father in heaven sees, and he will reward you. Jesus had been explaining this. He'd been explaining the Father's will throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. And it has to do with things like self-denial. Not self-praise. It has to do with things like giving up your life. And offering it fully and completely, without reservation, to the Lord. When Jesus died for us. He hung on a cross for us. And he gave his life. It's the least we can do. He, he taught throughout this sermon how to practically live as one who's yielded their life to the Lord. And what's he covered? He's covered things like living, repentance, Living righteously with self-control over things like lust and anger. He, he taught about living as new creatures, keeping promises, keeping your vows, not uh, seeking vengeance against your enemies, but praying for your enemies. He taught about being one who would exercise honest judgment, how to ask and seek living out the golden rule, all of it leading, all of it leading to that person who enters the narrow gate and is the true follower who ultimately enters into heaven. Jesus was explaining the Father's will. And, and there is a great summary of it. There's a great summary of it that was spoken by the prophet Micah. Micah brought a message to the people of Israel, who were not that unlike us. At that time, there were many who were fake followers, and there were many who were comfortable, and they were rich, and they were prosperous, and they didn't lack anything, except for the fear of the Lord. They were not fearing 
the Lord. Micah had said they had been speaking deceitfully. And he brought before them a a rhetorical question. How are you going to come before the Lord? How are you going to come with all you have? How will you come before the Lord? You're going to bring a thousand rams? You going to bring 10,000 rivers of oil? Will you offer your firstborn? Yeah, it's, it's not all about that. Mike is exaggerating and making a point. It's not all about, hey, Lord, look at what I've got for you. Look at what I can do for you. Oh, I got 10,000 rams or rivers of oil. Oh, Lord, look what I've done. No, no, that's not what it's about. How do you come before the Lord? Micah laid it out very plainly. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is the will of God. To walk humbly with him. Not proudly. Not, not, hey, look at wow, man, the Lord wouldn't be shining so much if I weren't next to him. No, no. Walking humbly with the Lord. He's not looking for your resume. He doesn't want your list of accomplishments. He wants you. He wants you walking in humility with him, loving mercy, acting justly. And the only way, the only way to begin that humble walk with God is through Jesus, period. It's by acknowledging you're separated from God and you cannot possibly be reconciled unto him by doing great things. You can't possibly walk with God without first being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. It only comes through him and the sacrifice he made for all of us. And that walk, that walk begins by walking first to Christ and then walking humbly with God. Well, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he had expounded on how that walk is done. How is it applied? And the greatest application is gonna be that moment when you're entering into the kingdom of heaven. But will you enter in? Or is it all going to come crashing down in an instant? And there's going to be shock and devastation with Jesus saying, I never knew you. And you protesting, but Lord, but Lord. And he's going to say, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Are you a true follower or are you a fake follower? You know, the counterfeit might pass for the authentic in this life. Others might say, wow, awesome Christian. We might fake out everyone around us. You're never gonna fool Jesus. You can't impress him. You can't impress him with all your stuff, with prophecies or exorcisms or miracles. It's not gonna impress him. It therefore imports us in the highest degree thoroughly to understand the force of his weighty words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Will you enter in? It's the most important question that you will ever answer. The most, bar none. It's the most important question you're ever going to answer. Will you enter into the kingdom of heaven? And I just have a simple question for you today. What's your answer? Can you answer yes definitively? Or do you have to deal with something? Because now's the time to deal with it. Now's the time to deal with anything that might be raising up that pride that might be telling us we got to put a notch on our belt about something we've done for the Lord, some kind of great sign, so many people saved. Uh Uh-uh. If that's been any of your attitude, time to put it aside because we're all going to make that day where we're standing before God Almighty Jesus Christ. And if our attitude is, Lord, look at me, mm, he's going to say no entrance. Just think about that for a minute. I'll let that dwell in you for a minute. Because it's, an, it's a question you got to answer in your heart. Let's stand and pray. I'm not going to call anybody out or make you come stand in front of everybody to say, oh, I was one that's not going to make it. You have to answer that inside your heart. But answer it. Answer it. Let's pray. Lord, our wealth is in the cross of Christ. May that be our attitude. May that be our heart. If there's any in here struggling, Lord, with spiritual pride, with thinking... They've done great things for Jesus. Lord, I pray, I pray, God, for a conviction that there would be a heart arrestment right now, God, that 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 heart would see. It has to be counted all as loss. None of it, none of it will gain us entrance into your holy presence for eternity, but a heart yielded sincerely and humbly before Jesus Christ for what he has done, not for what we have done. God, I just pray, Lord, for any and all that that need that turn, that need to eradicate any of that from their life. God, any heart that's yielding to you right now, reaching out to you, Lord, do that, I pray. I pray that you would, by your loving kindness, would be forgiving your, your word tells us that if we confess our sins, our faults, our transgressions, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And Lord, that we'd be humbly walking with our God. Lord, God, I pray that for every single person here, every single person hearing my voice, for that touch, Lord. May we be humble people. Help us to have that attitude of the prophet Isaiah, humble before you in your presence. God, break us of anything that's prideful, that's boastful. We need it, God. And I ask that grace, I ask that grace on every single person here or listening. In the wonderful, the precious name of Jesus, who opens the door, may we be people who here enter into the joy of your reward. Oh, God, may it be.
May it be. Help us to be authentic, real, genuine followers of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask that, Father God, in his powerful name, our Redeemer, the one who's risen from the dead, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Ah, let's just tell him thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You're wonderful and you're awesome and you're holy and we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for making a way for us who turned away. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. You're awesome and you're holy and you're wonderful and you're worthy. You are God and there is none other. You are the way and the truth and the life. You're the resurrection and the life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. We thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise and thanksgiving. We're your creatures and we're grateful. We're grateful. Thank you, God. May you go in his peace. Go in his peace and in his grace. In Jesus' name, amen.